All right, let's get into this this morning. Today we're going to, we're still in the sacraments, exploring the sacraments, the mystery that's connected there. Today we're going to merge two. We're going to, we're going to still can talk about communion, but we're going to bring in uh, divine healing and how communion and divine healing intersect. And, and I know a lot of, a lot of places, they don't tend to make the connection for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know it's a, that it's a, uh, an intentional thing. I just think that a lot of people don't think that divine healing and communion are connected, but I want to kind of, that's another part of this mystery here. So we're going to kind of look at it today. If you've got, if you're in your version or if you have your Bibles, you can uh, take along with me. We're going to be in Psalms 103 and then Luke 22 and 1 Corinthians 11 today and a couple others. I probably have the shortest, one of the shortest outlines that I've used in the last 15 years this morning, which is usually bad luck for you guys because um, there's not a lot of parameters. Well, so we may be here till like two, I don't know. Uh, hopefully you had a good breakfast. Um, psalm 103, the first five verses says this. This is a Psalm of David. He wrote this. He said, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Center of that, the first two benefits are forgives your sins and heals your diseases, which is exactly what we're celebrating when we sit at the Lord's table together. We're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made. We're remembering what he did for us and we're celebrating the reality that he did those things. Healing in scripture, and, and, and this is, there's, there's a lot of speculation surrounding healing. There's a lot of teaching surrounding healing. There are people that say, if you don't get healed, then you show it's because you don't have enough faith. Um, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think faith is involved in this. I think you have to believe that God will, but I don't necessarily believe that because you don't have a lot of faith that healing doesn't come into your life. Um, I think that sometimes, well, every time the sovereignty of God is at work, which means if you go back into the gospels and you see Jesus at the pool there, there's sick people laying around everywhere. I've been there. I've seen it. It's, it's really long. It's tiered. There would have been hundreds of sick people around that pool that day. And Jesus walks into that, that arena, steps over people to get to a guy that's on a mat and heals the guy and leaves, and leaves sick people there. Now, there are a lot of people in the, in the ultra or hyper faith movement that would go, well, that's because they didn't have faith. And, and the truth of the matter is that Jesus healed at a word. He healed by putting mud on people's face. He healed by speaking it. He healed at a distance. He healed up close. He's a healer. Your savior, my savior, is still the God who heals today. He healed then, he's healing today. In the Bible, the word heal is listed 190 times. The word healed, H-E-A-L-E-D, is 73 times, and healing is 30 times. 290 total mentions of healing in scripture. In the gospels alone, there are 22 stories of Jesus healing. Some of them, it's an individual. Some of them, it's multitudes of people he referred. And he healed all of those who were sick and afflicted. Healing is, a, is, a, is an aspect of it. 
But what does healing and communion have to do with one another? So let's look at that today. We've already said the benefits, right? Forgive sins, heals diseases, and there's other things there, but those are the two we're keying on today. Luke twenty two nineteen 19 says, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. First Corinthians 11, Paul takes it and he says this in verse chapter 11, verse 24 there. He said, he, after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now the, you say, well, Jesus didn't say it was broken. He said, given. You look at the word broken, you look at the word given, and they're interchangeable words. So the deal that Jesus, he was saying ahead of time, my body is going to be broken for you. My blood is going to be shed for you. The breaking of my body is going to be the stripes on my back, it's going to be the nails in my hands and in my feet, the spear in my side, all of those things, and the blood is going to shed. The correlation between the Lord's Supper and divine healing is very clear in Scripture. But the path, once again comes through the Old Testament. Remember I said to you last week, you can't understand the New Testament unless you, unless you have an understanding of the Old. And I, I don't really understand this, this thing that we're going through right now in the American church where people are going, I just want to live in the New Testament. I just want to read the New Testament because I don't, I don't want to read the Old Testament. When the New Testament said that the Old Testament is given for what? As an example. The Old Testament, but you cannot understand the nuances of the gospel. You can't understand the life of Jesus without recognizing the messianic implications in the Old Testament toward Jesus. All right, so let's look at this. Isaiah 53, speaking, some messianic prophecy, speaking of Jesus, here's what it says. He is despised and rejected by men. Did that happen to Jesus? Absolutely. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our sins or iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This is my body broken for you. By the stripes. The word strike there means this. It means blows that cut in. Down through the years, I've done a lot of research into the crucifixion of Jesus. And, and years and years ago, probably in the, I don't know, mid to late 80s, the Journal of American Medicine uh, put out the, their magazine and there was a physician, a medical doctor that actually broke down the horror of crucifixion, and especially Jesus's, from the beating all the way through his ultimate death on the cross. The reality, Jesus took 39 stripes, 39 lashes across his back. We say 39 stripes, but it actually was 39 times nine because he was beat with a, what we would call a cat of nine tails or a scourge. Wouldn't handle long leather straps with bone and metal woven into it. And so when the Roman soldier would hit Jesus across the back, he wouldn't hit it and draw it back. He would hit it and pull it. That's the, that's the horror of this. And so if you, if you can, in your mind's eye, the, the most horrific horror picture you've ever seen, the back of Jesus Christ would have been shredded in ribbons. His body was broken. No bone broken. Remember the prophecy, we looked at it last week, the pro that he would not have any bones broken. His bones were not broken. 
but his body, his skin, his muscles, the flesh was shredded. This is my body given for you. Speculation is this, that you, because of the horror of the beating, here's another sidebar too, this is just note of trivia. 40 lashes is death. No one could survive 40 lashes of that scourge and, and, and they couldn't take it, they couldn't live through it. One short, 39. It is believed that you could actually look through the back of Jesus and see his heart beating. The beating was that hard. And it would have been from the top of his shoulders to the back of his knees. That's the horror of this. When, he, when Jesus is going, this is my body given for you. This is my body. Or Paul saying, this is the body of Christ that's broken for you. That, those words do not do justice to what happened to Jesus to ensure that you and I have the benefit of our sins forgiven and our diseases healed. But yet, he willingly did that. He willingly did it. Oh, they murdered Jesus. Technically, if you read it correctly, no one took his life. He laid it down. He laid it down. He stood in place of every one of us in this room. Those of you that are watching in your living rooms this morning. He stood in place of every one of us. He died so that we'll never have to face that type of death. I'm talking about the death where we are separated from God. That's the, that's, the, that's the reality of what's going on. When we say by his stripes, 39 lashes from shoulders to knees, and Peter ties it all together as well in the New Testament again when he speaks of Jesus as our example and reminds us of what he did for us. 1 Peter 2, 21. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The following in the steps of Jesus is literally more than just the communion cup. It's more than just doing this. Maybe hand me, hand me a set of the, the communion stuff right there. It's more than just going, okay, I'm going to eat the bread, I'm going to drink the cup. Following the example of Jesus, this is what he said, that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So what example exactly? Oh, we just, we just do the communion and remember it. That's a part of it, Yes. That's a part of it. We're going to deal with the oath of communion and water baptism later on in this series in a few weeks. But right now, it's about looking at what Jesus did and then looking at Peter giving us the mandate that Jesus is our example. We follow in his footsteps. All right, so what does that mean? Here it says, no sin. Now, it is impossible for us on this side. We're not God. We're not Jesus. We're not sinless. We're going to commit sin. But there's, a, there's the attitude of striving to be sinless. There's a commitment to live above uh, the reproach of the world. There's a commitment to live the way Jesus lived. There's a commitment to look at it and go, I know I, everything, every ounce of me wants to do this, but the Bible tells me I'm not supposed to do it, and so I'm going to do what Jesus did, and I'm going to try to be sinless in this situation. And we make a commitment to follow Jesus in our lifestyle. And I don't mean in a, in a flippant way like, well, I'm going to do this because God's going to forgive me anyway, so I'll just go ahead and do it and then I'll ask for forgiveness. 
There's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. All right? No sin. No deceit found on his mouth. Receiving insults and not retaliating. Suffering, making no threats. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Instead, he entrusted himself to his father. Why do we find it difficult on this side? As human beings living on this earth, why do we find it difficult to not live and attempt to live the way Jesus lived? Something goes wrong, the first thing we want to do is get even. Someone insults us, what do we want to do? We're going to insult right back. We're going to retaliate. That is not following the example of Jesus Christ. I'm urging you, Jin Yu, here in this room at home, I'm urging you, we're coming into another political season. Be careful. What you say, how you act, and how you react. Because I'm telling you, the last few political arenas that we've gone through in this country, Christianity has taken hits that I don't know that we're ever going to recover from. Because honestly, we've been so polarizing that we can't do what Jesus did, and that is sit at a table with publicans and sinners and have meals with them and have conversations and open the door to dialogue so that by some means they may see the love of Jesus through them and maybe come to faith in Jesus. But if somebody's standing on the sidelines telling me how sorry I am and I'm a, I'm a this and I'm a that and all of a sudden they go, let me tell you about the love of Jesus. They're going to go, if you're the love of Jesus, I don't want no part of that. But it's not just in political season. It just seems to be heightened at that point. Okay? You say, well, I, I thought we were talking about communion and healing. We're getting there. Hang on. This is the example. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And then Peter says this, by his wounds, which is translated stripes, you have been healed. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. What? We take the cup and we take the bread and we remember what Jesus did for us. You say, well, I don't, I don't know about all this healing stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know where I stand on all that. And, and look, here's the thing. I'm standing in front of you today. I can say one time in my, there's one time in my life where God supernaturally reached into my life and healed me instantly. And it happened about, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Those of you who work for me know it well. But I, I, I dealt with insomnia from the time I was about 15 until I was almost 50 years old. And by insomnia, I mean if I went to bed at a decent hour, I'd sleep for a couple hours, and then I'd be up for four or five hours, and then I might doze off again in the morning. Or if I went to sleep and I woke up, then I'm up. Um, and this went on from the time I was 15 or 16 years old until I was in my late 40s. Sleep, literally sleeping three or four hours a night at the very, at most, I, I went to the doctors, they gave me all kinds of sleep medicines, all this kind of stuff. I have such a tolerance of medications that when I start taking stuff, and I take it a few times, then I, then I build up this immunity to it, and it doesn't work anymore, so they got to switch, and years, years. 
My wife can attest to this. I, I just slept a few hours a night for decades, decades. And we were in service one Sunday morning and, and, and people were, we were praying for folks. And, and one of the ladies, uh, I don't know if she remembered it, Karen Goodson came and she came up on the platform and she said, I feel like God wants to pray for you today because you need a healing in your body. And she said, what do you need healing from? I said, I need to sleep. And I stepped off the platform, went down and they anointed me with oil just like they were everybody else. And they prayed for me. And that night I began to sleep six, seven, eight hours a night and have a half since. Unless I eat something I shouldn't eat really late at night, like a bowl of ice cream, which by the way happens on a regular basis. I wish it didn't, but my wife is so sweet. She buys it for me because she loves me. Either that or she wants the life insurance. I'm not real sure what it is. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, I've got other duties on Wednesday night, but I've contemplated CR for that addiction to ice cream or something like that. You know. But, but I've, that's a personal healing that happened in my physical body. And, and so I can attest to the, the, heal, the supernatural power of God that touches you. And I'll be honest with you, in that moment, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily my, my faith that did anything. It was Karen's. Karen said, hey, this is, I think God wants to do this in your life. Okay, I'll take it. But the prayer of faith ministered healing to my body that morning. My mother, uh, my mom, when she was in the fourth grade, developed polio in the 50s. And she was paralyzed from the neck down in an iron lung for nine months. I mean, polio in the 50s, 40s and 50s was a, was a bad thing. But people prayed for her. They prayed for her. Her mother, her dad, her, her brothers, her, her church, they, they prayed for her. Every day they prayed for her. She has no side effects to having polio. She's had two bouts with, with cancer. She's cancer free. She's in her 80s and... <laughs> And she's like the Energizer Bunny. I mean, she just goes. She might, she might be watching. I love you, Mama. She might, she's watching this morning, probably. You know? But, but I've, I've seen it. Years ago, Kim went to the doctor. She had, she had this thing that come up on her neck right here. And she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, that's a good chance this is cancer, Kim. Scared us all to death. So we scheduled all the tests and everything. She goes in. We're praying. You guys are praying. We go, she goes, to the, goes in for the, for the uh, biopsy and everything. And a few minutes later, this, the guy comes out. He goes, um, I see this thing. You can physically see it. But there's nothing on the film. There's nothing there. There's nothing to biopsy. Whatever that is, it ain't nothing. Okay. Coincidence or God? I choose God. I choose God. Ronnie Munn, a number of years ago, Ronnie had this mass in one of his lungs. There it is. He showed me a picture of it. You brought it to church. You showed us the pictures. It's there. One night we were praying. We prayed for the sick one night. Ronnie goes in and have a bobsy. Guess what? Film's clear. It was there. It's not there. What is that? That's healing. That's healing. Well, God's never done that for me. Okay. 
That doesn't diminish the fact that God is a healer. Sometimes he requires us to walk through stuff. But he's still the healer. He's still the healer. Well, I want my healing on this side. Well, maybe that's not the sovereignty of God for you. Maybe God's healing is going to come to you when he literally, physically, spiritually, everything heals you completely and totally through death and you see Jesus face to face and you have a new body that doesn't have all the stuff that you got with the old one. But it doesn't diminish the reality that we are told in the book of James that if there is anyone among you that is sick, let them call for the elders of the church. They will anoint him with oil. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus said to his disciples in the last chapter of the book of Mark, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And these signs are going to accompany those who believe in my name. In my name, you're going to drive out demons. You're going to speak in new tongues. You're going to pick up snakes when you have to with your hands. <laughs> but you don't pick up them and go, look how much faith I got. Because God's going to have one of them things bite you one day to show you that you're not supposed to pick them things up. If you drink any deadly poison, it will not harm you. And they will lay hands on the sick people and they will get well. That is a command from Jesus. So today, so today, we're going to close this service out by praying for people that are sick in this house today and need a healing touch in your body. So let's stand all over the room. I'm not trying to wow you with deep theological stuff today. It's just simply this. God loves you. You're his child. He forgives your sins and heals all your diseases. Physical, mental, spiritual. All means just a few. No, all means all. All means all. James 5, I'll read it again. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anybody happy? Sing songs, praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call of the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. Altar team, I want you to go ahead and bring your elements, your communion elements with you to the front. Go ahead and make your way to the front. Everybody's going to be around the altar this morning. Go ahead all over the house and let's take out the bread. Today, today as we take communion, we're going to remember what Jesus did. By taking the stripes on his back and shedding his blood and being nailed to the cross, he provided an avenue of benefits for us. Forgive all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to all the disciples that were around. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat all of it in remembrance of me. Shall we eat together this morning?
At the end of the meal that night, he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave thanks. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Shall we drink together? Now, this morning, if you're in this house, after you finish the cup, if you're in this house and you need a healing touch in your body, we're here. We're going to pray for you right now in Jesus' name. Come forward. If you need a healing in your body, begin to move right now. Jeremiah said, save me, Lord, and I will be saved. He said, heal me, and I will be healed. So come. Staff, we're probably going to need some help down here. Those of you that are remaining, standing in the back, I want you to, as a point of contact, lift your hand this way. You begin to pray. We've got a line that every person here, we've got lines. house this morning there's healing in this house this morning Lord Holy Spirit have your way Jesus your blood your broken body fixed by the resurrection assures us that there's healing and there's healing today Lord Jesus do your work now do your work now do your work now
every believer in the room, just stretch your hand toward the front. And there are some who have been prayed for who have already gone to their seats. We're just by faith going to pray for them as well. Now, when you have your hand stretched toward the front, you're also praying for somebody that's in front of you as well. Because in some ways, the Lord needs to move in every heart and in every mind and in every body. So, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, because it's the Christ on whom we're relying, not on our own faith. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in the one who endured all of the suffering and who was resurrected and defeated even death. It's in him who we put our faith in the name that is above every name. And we ask that you would touch, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Just as there is no disease in heaven, there would be none on earth. Just as there is no depression in heaven, there would be none on earth. Just as there is no anxiety in heaven, there would be none on earth. Just as there is no misalignment of vertebrae, that there would be none on earth. That, that your realm would break into our realm, that your healing would flow even in this place. And God, as we go throughout our week this week, that you would use us as you use your disciples. Nothing separating them from us except time and opportunity to have faith in you like they had faith in you. Use us throughout the week, God, to be a healing presence wherever we go. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now look right up here. We don't know when God is going to complete the thing that he's doing in you right now. You may have come up here with back issues. You may leave with back issues. It's God's timing and it's God's plan and how he moves in your back. That isn't to say that I don't have faith that he can because I do and you do. But it is ultimately to say, God, not what I want in the way that I want it, but what you want in the way that you want it. Amen. It's probably a fitting transition into the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray this prayer together today to say, God, we want what you want for our lives because your way is best. Could we all direct our attention here and pray together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise in this house this morning. God, we worship you. You get the glory and the honor. And you get all of the praise for the testimonies that will ripple out from this moment in the coming weeks. We love you and we thank you for all you're doing.